Welcome to this month's special programming series, Focus on Cancer, on ReachMD XM157. He says cancer is the best thing that ever happened to him. You are listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Susan Dolan, your host, and with me is Robert Schimmel, one of Comedy Central's 100 Greatest Comics and author of the new book, Cancer on $5 a Day, Chemo Not Included, How Humor Got Me Through the Toughest Journey of My Life. Mr. Schimmel, welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable table. It's nice to be here. In your new book, you describe your battle with cancer. First, tell us the good news. The good news that I celebrated seven years in remission on December 12th. Congratulations. Being seven years out is, I'll tell you, you know, I try not to count the days because my oncologist told me not to, you know, because I remember calling him once and I said, hey, I'm like, 12 days away from year one, and he said, Robert, you know what? All the other days up to now, they all count for something, too. It's not like, you know, live every day and don't count the days like that. When I started chemotherapy, I remember getting my first treatment, and a guy came in to get a checkup, and I heard him tell the nurse, I just hit two years in remission, and two years, to me, at that moment, seemed like an eternity. Hmm. Boy, what I would have bargained for for two years. And now, you know, it's seven, and it's been such an unbelievable experience for me that I have to tell you that this is going to sound totally insane unless you've talked to other oncology patients. My symptoms were I had night sweats, and I was getting chills. I was on the road and losing weight, and not a lot, but losing weight, feeling fatigued. I thought it was the flu. I find out it's non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and it's stage three. If I could go back to June 5th, 2000 and have them tell me it was the flu and it wasn't non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, but in exchange for that, I don't have my wife, Melissa, who I will be married to five years on April 8th. I don't have my son, Sam, who was born on June 5th, 2003, exactly three years from the day I was diagnosed and when they told me I would never have kids again, my three-year-old Max, my relationship with my other children and my friends and family, and some of the things that I know about life now, you couldn't get me to take that deal for any amount of money. I wouldn't do it. I honestly can't even imagine where I would be today if I wouldn't have gone through that. Why did you write this book? I wrote the book because I've met a lot of cancer survivors because I talk about it in my act, and people come over to me every night, and it's either I'm going through what you're going through or my mom's going through it or they know somebody that's going through it and they're scared, and I want them to know that I think attitude and sense of humor have a lot to do with it and that there are a lot of cancer survivors, a lot more than anyone can imagine because... If you're not in the media, if you're not on a radio show or in the newspapers or magazine or on television, there's no way for you as a survivor to let everyone else in the country know that you even exist. So there are people walking around that are like 25 years in remission, 30 years in remission, 17 years in remission, and no one even knows that that exists. So you only have your own personal experience with cancer and the people that you know that have had it and either made it or lost that battle, and you're judging everything on that, and it's a false number. It just really is. I've met more people that have made it than I could believe. 
I mean, it inspires me. It takes a couple of years to start living life in a kind of a normal way because you're not just, it's not like they say you're in remission. It was nice to meet you. Goodbye. I'm, you know, three months later, I got to go back for a CT scan or an MRI and blood work and everything. And then you're thinking, my leash is three months long. That's how far I can go out in life. And then I got to get pulled in for another test. And then you get that MRI or the CT and the blood work. Your destiny is in what the result of the test is going to be. And they don't tell you right away. It takes like two days. And those two days feel like two years. And then as you go on further, then it's not three months anymore, then it's every six months. And I'm at the point now where I really only have to go once a year, but I still go like two times a year, three times a year, because, you know, I don't want to go and a year later and have the guy say, hey, where were you three months ago? So I just would rather go. And then I don't worry about it. But what an unbelievable life now. You know, I... I think everybody is searching for something in their life, whether it's happiness or peace of mind or I don't know what. And, you know, the doctor says cancer. And for me, I was like a horse that wore blinders and the blinders disintegrated. I realized that some of the things that were the most important things in my life were right in front of me the whole time. And I was just looking in the wrong place. And material things, which can be fun, they're not really worth as much as you think they are. I work in a business where you're judged by, you know, what you own and money. And, you know, I mean, if you're in Hollywood and you don't have a BMW or a Mercedes and a Rolex and a plasma TV and a house in Beverly Hills or in Malibu, then you didn't make it. Well, when I went for my first chemotherapy, I realized that the first day that there was no parking space next to my bed in the infusion center for the BMW. That doesn't get to go in there with you. Mm-hmm. And neither does the plasma TV. But your nurses are there with you and your friends and your loved ones, and that's who gets you through it. The rest of the stuff, when your number's up, you couldn't trade all those things for one more minute. So that's really about how much value that has. Your nurses and your parents and your sister and brother and your wife and kids... They're irreplaceable. In your book, you wrote, see, that's what cancer does. It shakes you up, then sifts out all the unimportant crap and leaves you facing only the highest priorities. Sounds eerie, but it's really not. It's what we should be doing every day. It's how we should live our lives. It's how I vow to live mine from now on. And this is what you're describing. What's your best advice to people who haven't faced a terminal illness and want to do that, know that's the right thing to do? Well, you know, life is precious. We all get 24 hours a day, whether you're the guy that's in a sleeping bag on the street or Donald Trump. And I think that some of it is, what do you do with those 24 hours? It's not like some people make it because they get 27 and you only get, you know, 20. Everybody gets the same thing. And you face a terminal illness, and I say I don't like the word terminal. I think that, you know, my doctor told me not to run away from what I had and to embrace my cancer. He said, you know what, this is a part of your life, Robert, but it's a part of your life. It's not taking over your life. It isn't you. These things happen, just like when you get the flu or you have something else. It's cancer. So this is a little harder to get rid of or to deal with than the flu would be, but 
you know, that's how you got to look at it. You got to do what you got to do to get through it and move on. And that he doesn't like giving prognoses or time frames because he said that if you don't really have the right attitude, if they tell you, you know, six months, if this doesn't work, then six months later, you're getting sick because you never forgot that he said that. The first time I told my doctor, I said, you know, I went on the Internet and he said, looking for bad news <laughs> without me even saying anything. And I started laughing. And he said, Robert, you know, everybody does that. You, know, you get a thing, you go on there, and you're looking to see all the articles about people that didn't make it. And he said, I don't know why people do that. He said, because everybody isn't like that. And he said, you know, those numbers, when you see that, like, this percentage of so-and-so made it five years without a reoccurrence, he said, I want to ask you an honest question. The other people that were in that test group, the people that made it and didn't make it, did they grow up in Hungary where your parents grew up? No. Were they in a concentration camp during the war? No. Did they all grow up in New York like you did? No. Did they have to eat the same things you ate and have the same stresses and live your life the way you did for 50 years? No. So then the only thing you have in common with those people is the non-Hoskins lymphoma. And that's it. So you're an individual. You don't have to automatically consider yourself a statistic. You are an individual. There are people that blow those numbers out of the water. And I've met a lot of them. And I think that, you know, you got to get a handle on it. And I'm not saying that it was easy because it wasn't. I mean, and I was surprised. I wasn't prepared for some of it. When I got my first chemotherapy, I knew nothing of what it was going to be like, except from watching Terms of Endearment and a couple other movies where people get chemotherapy and they're throwing up and losing their hair two minutes after because they don't have time to, you know, add an extra 12 weeks into the film. The first one was a cakewalk. The third one, I started feeling pretty sick. <laughs> That's when they told me it has a cumulative effect. But if you have... And it's easy to say, this sucks, I don't like it, I don't want any, you know. You need someone there, and it's usually the nurses that go, Robert, now, you know, we're having this conversation every 21 days. I come in here, and all of a sudden one day you're going, I don't feel good, my bones hurt, and this and that. And it's the same thing every time. I go, Robert, when did you get your treatment? And I'll say nine, ten days ago. Now, don't you remember last month, ten days after you got your chemotherapy, that your white blood cell and red blood cell counts start dropping, and that's when you feel bad. And then you get neupogen and epigen, and then it starts building back up again, and like three, four days later, you feel better. And I said, yeah. So you got like another day or two of feeling like this, and then you're back up again. And then once you hear that, it's like, why didn't I think of that on my own? And then everything's okay. You write about making your doctors and nurses and other patients laugh when you felt so bad. How did you do that? It's something that I just, I've always done. I find that laughter can be very disarming. And, you know, just because somebody's a doctor or a nurse doesn't mean that they don't have any feelings and they're numb to the fact that you're sick or what you're going through. I know that's not true because my son's oncologist, after about eight years, switched and wound up doing something else. But he said he couldn't be a pediatric oncologist anymore because he just, it was really hard for him. You know, and so... You know, I lost my son, and I learned a big lesson from him. Probably the biggest one was nobody likes to RSVP to a pity party. Mm -hmm. If you sit there and mope and cry and complain in bed, 
then who wants to come in there and deal with that? Seriously. I mean, even if you're a doctor and you want to save people's lives, you know, you're making their job harder if you're going to be like that. Because then he's fighting you to try and help you to get better. And you can't do it like that. You know, so my son did everything he could to make people laugh around him. He always had a smile on his face. He never complained. And you could see people walk in, they see you smiling, and then it's like this sigh of relief. It's like you took a big yoke off their neck, and they can be themselves. Robert Schimmel, thank you so much for joining us to discuss your new book, Cancer on $5 a Day, Chemo Not Included, How Humor Got Me Through the Toughest Journey of My Life. I'm Susan Dolan. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your comments and questions at ReachMD.com, which now features on-demand podcasts of the ReachMD library. Thank you for listening. Listen all month as ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals, as we feature a special series, Focus on Cancer.